0: Everybody say, Joshua, chapter 5. Joshua, chapter 5, we're going to be reading chapters 5 and 6 today. And um, we've been in this incredible series called War. And the whole premise for the series as we journey through the book of Joshua is this, is today there's still a war going on. It's the war over the souls of people. And we are called into the Lord's army. Once you say yes to Jesus, you become part of the Salvation Army, Uh, not the organization, but God's actual Salvation Army. If you're a part of that organization, God bless you, that's awesome. Um, But can I just tell you that you're a part of the Army of the Lord? You are. And you might not know it yet, but as you go along in the journey and read more of the Word of God, you're going to be understanding and you will understand that God has given you weapons for this war. He's given you tools that you can use as you journey through life to your pathway of promise. And so that's what we've been talking about in the book of Joshua. And I'm really excited about today's message. We're going to be learning about a few things about the way God works, which I think is really powerful from a even a military perspective. We see it from our leader, Joshua, that we're reading about. So Joshua chapter 5, I'm going to be just reading a small part of it, and then I'm going to come back to both... Uh, Chapters 5 and 6, and I'll show you why in a moment. But this is the, the moment where Joshua meets someone pretty special. Okay, it's right here in verse 13 when Joshua was by Jericho. So he was, he was right by the city. He was probably at that time looking at the city that he needed to go and conquer with the people of God. And it's an amazing thing that takes place. It says, He lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him. I love that it says that he went to him. You know the best thing we can do when we're facing anything in life is run to God and move towards him. It says that he went to him and said to him, "Are you for us or for our adversaries?" And he said, "No, I am but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come." And Joshua fell on his face. To the earth and worshiped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? He submitted to him. He came right under his authority. And he said, And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And the Bible says, Joshua did so. I want to preach a message, part four of our series. This is the title today The Walls Will Talk. Turn to the person next to you and say, The walls, they're going to talk. Tell them. Tell them right now, the walls are going to talk. And then turn to the person on the other side and say, I have no idea what he's talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. So Joshua chapter 5 and 6 to me are continuous. One thing you've got to understand about the original text was it wasn't written with chapter divisions. (laughs) So when we read the Bible, we sometimes, and what's a personal hack for me that I learned a long time ago, was if I'm reading a verse, I usually go and read the verse beforehand and then I read the one after, and I try to get a sense for what the writer is saying. But there's something interesting that happens here. Last week, we talked about the crossing over of the Jordan River, and how it was really a crossing over of faith, and trust, and a crossing over of miracles. And the crossing over has happened, the miracles happened. Now the people of God are shut in to the land, remember the military strategy that doesn't make any sense? God meant for it to be that way. They crossed over, the water came behind them, they're completely enclosed into the land. But there's a couple of things that happen between them crossing the river and then them going and taking down Jericho. And I want to take a moment, just before I jump in, I'm doing this in sort of two parts. I want to show us some observations from chapter five, and then we're going to go into chapter six. But to me, those two chapters are together. Joshua does something incredible here that lines up so much with our own spiritual lives. Okay, what happens first when they cross the river is God asks Joshua to do something very specific. It's Joshua chapter five, verse two, says that at that time the Lord said to Joshua, "Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time." One observation I just want to make. Okay, I want to give us three observations from this little portion of scripture that means so much before we get to Jericho, okay? The first observation is this, is God was staying faithful to His people right here. What was happening here was God was saying to Joshua, you need to circumcise the sons before they go into the land, before they inherit, before they possess. Why? Because God is a faithful God. And we serve a covenant-keeping God. And this is what's happened, is even though the people weren't faithful, God was still faithful. And today for you and for me, this is the truth, is even when we're not faithful to God, He remains faithful to us. We serve a faithful God. And He instructs Joshua to circumcise the sons that were born in the wilderness. This generation was born in the wilderness and their fathers had not circumcised them into the covenant of Abraham. Why is this important? I want you to think about your life and my life. Online, I want you to think about your life. What happens to all of us is every single one of us, every single one of us is born in the wilderness. And every single one of us through Jesus Christ is brought into the covenant of God. That's what happens to you and to me. This is why it's so important. We can't gloss over this because this is exactly what happens with our lives. All of us are born in the wilderness of sin. The wilderness of disobedience, the wilderness of being separated away outside of the covenant of God. And what God does right here, He remains faithful to His people. They went and inherited the land as covenant people. God's covenant remains. So He stayed faithful to them. That's the first observation. This is a picture of what God does for us. We're all born into the wilderness of sin and disobedience, but God remains faithful and God has a plan. Look at Romans 5 and verse 8. It says, But God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still in the wilderness, Christ died for us. Romans 2 and verse 28 says, But He is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is one that is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And His praise is not from men, but from God. God takes us from the wilderness of sin, circumcises our hearts into a brand new life in Jesus. We see that foreshadowed right here in Joshua chapter 5. It's incredible. God's faith, He stayed faithful to them even when they weren't faithful to Him. That's what God does For our lives. That's what God does in your life. Can you remember when you were lost? I remember when I was lost. Man, I was lost. And you only realize how lost you were once you're found. Here's the truth about God you only realize how much grace you need when you're immersed in grace. God was faithful. God is faithful no matter what. Someone needs to hear that today. That you might feel like. You're separated from God, but God is continually and will be faithful to you. We are all lost. Remember what Jesus shared with us when he shared the parable of the prodigal son? Look at what it says when when the father's speaking to the older son. He said to him, this is Luke 15 and verse 31, he said, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I was lost and I was found. We were all born in the wilderness, but God has brought us in. Can I get an amen? That's our first observation. Observation number two is this, he never stopped providing. So he always proved himself faithful, but he's never stopped providing. This is something that we see right here. It's in verse 10. Joshua leads the the people in the first ever Passover in the new land. It says, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, look at this, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land. Remember what happened when they're in the wilderness? Remember how God provided even in a wilderness season? God will still provide for you when you feel like you're in a wilderness season. Remember what the people of God got? They got bagels from heaven, people, They got everything, bagels, on the doorstep every day. But that's that's not what was going to happen once they crossed over. See, what happens is, this is the second observation from the text, is that with a new season comes a new way of God providing. God's not going to provide for you in the new season the way He did in the old season. That's what we see in the text. His provision in the new land looks different. When God calls you to cross over, He's going to provide for you, but you've got to have an understanding. You've got to have faith today from our Bibles that God's going to provide for you in a different way. Last week's message might have spoken to you about, yeah, man, I need to cross over, but some of you are still doubting about the way God's going to provide. He will provide for you, but you just got to be willing to look for it. It says, "...the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel." But they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. God provides. And in a new season, He will keep providing. It's going to look a little bit different. Don't go, be, don't go looking for old manna when God's trying to give you new grain. Don't, don't go looking for the old thing, the old way of getting sustenance and resource when God's right there giving you fruit, giving you grain that's brand new in a new season. God wants to provide for you his way. He never stopped providing. That's the second observation. The third is this, he's never stopped making a way. So he stayed faithful, he kept providing, and God kept making a way forward for his people. And This is where we get to something really significant in verse 13, which we read off the top, is that Joshua has an incredible encounter. An incredible encounter Many scholars believe that this captain of the Lord's army with the drawn sword in his hand is actually what they call a Christophany, which simply means an instance of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. Okay, maybe you've never heard of this, but this is something that's in Scripture. You see different moments in Scripture where they, they appear as Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. Many scholars believe that this is called a Christophany. I'm with those scholars. I believe it is as well for many different reasons. The fact that Joshua worshipped him, um, the fact that he um, says something pretty incredible, like let's read it again. Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or your adversaries? And he says, no. Think about that for a moment. So he asked him, are you for us or are you for the enemies? And the captain of the Lord's army just says, no. (laughs) No. Could you imagine? That's not helpful. Are you with us or them? No. You ever thought about why he said no? It's because God's above everything. God's not in the skirmish and the little battles of our lives. God's sovereign above everything that we've got going on. God sees things that we can never see. He's above, He's before, He's in front, He's behind. That's why he said no. No is because God always knows what He's doing and He's always elevated. His ways are higher. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God is above it all. But here's the point, is God always has a plan. I want you to think about this for a moment. Colossians 1 calls Jesus the firstborn of all creation. 1 Corinthians calls Jesus the firstfruits among the resurrection, among the dead. Think about this. This is the first city, Jericho. This is the firstborn... Showing up at the first city. Delivering a plan that God is making a way. God never stops making a way and He will send exactly who He needs to send to take down whatever city you need to overcome. Whatever city you need to take down, God will give you the plan. He'll give you the resource. He'll give you the people. He'll give you exactly what you need. Come on, let's give God some praise for the way He works. He never stops making a way. And one scholar said this, which I think is so cool to think about, but the Joshua of the Old Testament met the Joshua of the New Testament, Yeshua. God's above it all. And he always has a plan. So now we get to Jericho. You see how there's a lot in between the river and the first city? There's a lot happening right there. And I had to take a moment and spend some time on that because I never want us to gloss over things that I feel like God is making and saying are important. Here we go, Joshua. So this is Joshua chapter 6. This is verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. With its king and mighty men of valour, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, he shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a a long blast with the ram's horn, when they hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people, everybody say, all the people, will shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So, when it says that Jericho was shut up because of the people of Israel, this is what it means. The Message Translation, Eugene Peterson says that it was tight as a drum. It had walls that were impenetrable. It was, it was set high. The way they used to build cities in ancient days is they would, instead of um, excavating because they didn't have equipment to do that, they would just build one city over the top of another city. So they'd just fill everything in and start all over again. And what would happen with cities is they would get elevated. They would get higher and higher and higher. And that's how it would happen, and Jericho was high, and it had elevation, and it had, it had structure surrounding it that made it very, very secure. So that's why it says that it was shut up. It was completely impenetrable, and they would be able to defend it because it was completely closed. The gate was shut. Um, even the way the, they would build the walls, I'm going to show this a little bit later, but they would build them with this incline. And the way they would do that was because they wanted to have a surface that you could pour down things like hot grease and boulders and things so that if someone was trying to come into the city, you could literally defend it that way with that surface. So it was completely impenetrable. Here's the point. It was impossible. That's why God did it. And when you're looking at something that you feel like, man, there's no way I'm going to get in there. There's no way I'm going to get that opportunity. There's no way that I'm going to achieve that thing. Whatever you think is impossible, God says... That's possible. I can do that. So, point number one when it comes to Jericho, okay, you got a couple things, and then we're gonna we're gonna worship. Number one is this God is first. Jericho is the first city. That's significant, that means something. Jericho was the first city, and therefore Jericho really matters to God. Why? Because God is first. When Joshua goes and they begin to take take over the city, this is something that he says in verse 17 about the city. He says, shout for the Lord has given you a city, verse 17, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And he mentions Rahab, how she's excluded from that, her, her and her household. Verse 18, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have des- devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make... The camp of Israel, a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Verse 19, but all the silver and gold, every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So why is this important? Why did I bring this up? It's because God is first. The first city was completely devoted to Him. Why why is that important? It means that no Israelite was allowed, allowed to have personal gain. There was no like personal profiting from the plunder of this city. No one was going to be better off because they were able to just take things. It was all completely devoted. Other translation says it was given to the Lord as an offering, completely leveled out, completely burned to the ground. All all the, the, the important things were put into the treasury of the Lord, devoted. It was consecrated, devoted to God. Why? It's because God is first. There is just this thing. God has a preference. He likes first place. I just got a thought for you, I've said this many times before, but even when God is not first in my life, He's still first. I might like to think that Jericho could be mine. It doesn't matter what I think. It's God's. And God has decided to take it. God has decided it was His because God is always first. God is the highest priority. God is first even when we don't put Him first. I want you to think about Jericho, when it comes to your own life and the fact that it was devoted to destruction just for the Lord. This is a parallel for what happens with God in our hearts. Our heart is the first city of our lives. It is devoted to Him. I've told this story before. When I got saved, I was 19 and I was going through a rough season in my life. I'd lost some dear people in my life. I felt like I had a lot of issues as a young man. I had some some struggles going on and And I got saved, I got radically saved, met the Lord, got radically saved, and I knew I was changed from one day to the next. But my life didn't get better. I mean, I'm there, I'm praying, I'm like, God, everything's going to be peaches and cream now. Life's good, I'm saved, I know Jesus, the Saviour of the world, my life's just going to be awesome, it's going to be perfect. How many people know that isn't reality? (laughs) And that isn't what happened? what I noticed was that, if anything, my life began to crumble around me. I say it like this, it's almost like God took a wrecking ball to my whole life. And He showed me something right here, He said, this is exactly what I do with your life, is I come in, I take the most important part of you, which is your heart, when you invite me in, and then we just shut everything down and we start again. Why is this important? It's because God is first. He occupies the most important part of our life. Even when we try to give God our seconds, listen to me, He doesn't take seconds. He doesn't want, He doesn't take them. It's in Scripture too. He doesn't accept offerings that aren't perfect and aren't first. But the city was devoted to Him just like when our lives become the Lord's property, He assumes first place, He gets the best. Listen to me, let me say it a different way. Your heart is precious to the Lord. It's His most treasured possession, your heart. It goes into His treasury. Your name is written in the book of life. That's how much He loves you. And sometimes we can try in our world we live in, where we try to give God a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and one day every six weeks. Can I just encourage you? Even when we don't make God first, He's first. That's a revelation to get. So number one, God is first and Jericho was devoted to him. Number two, faith comes in a combo. Come on, write it down. This is important in Jericho. Faith is a combo because what happens here is is significant. Okay, Joshua is probably looking up at Jericho thinking, no way. Captain of the Lord's army shows up and says this. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Before anything's happened, before anything, any walls have come down, before any destruction, anything's been devoted, the captain of the Lord's army shows up and says, see, I've given it to your hand. Faith came. The plan came. He gives him the plan. He says, this is how it's going to go. It's going to be a seven day siege, six days. You're going to go for a little walk. (laughs) Did you know that's what they did? They went for a daily walk. Could you imagine the I'm just go stop for a moment. Could you imagine the inhabitants of Jericho? Going up to the walls, taking a look out, knowing Israel's coming, and just seeing them going on their morning walk. Around, completely quiet, completely silent, just going for a walk around the city. The city was about, I mean, roughly about ten acres. They say the inheritance the inhabitants were probably two or three thousand people. I mean, it wasn't massive, but it was pretty big. But they just went for a walk for six days straight. They did the same thing. Could you imagine by the third or the fourth day? If you're living in Jericho, you're just like, come check these guys out. Seriously, come look at this. But God gave him the plan. God gave him the roadmap. God said, this is how it's going to work. Faith is a combo deal because combinations in God's economy, they really work. I was thinking about combinations just for a moment. I wanted to just take a moment, have some fun, give us a couple combinations that I think are pretty awesome. You ready? Salt and pepper. Really good. Another good one. Bread and butter. Especially when the bread comes out hot. Can I get an amen when it's nearly lunchtime? Another good one. Peaches and cream. Yes, Lord. Peaches and cream. Shrimp and grits. That's my one of my wife's personal favourites: shrimp and grits. Next one, this is my personal favourite: brisket and green beans. That's a man's combo right there. But the point is this: some things in combination work together to bring great things. I want to give you a few spiritual examples. You ready? Love and mercy. Love and mercy. Here's another one: grace and truth. It's a combination that brings about amazing things. And we see this pattern here, two things played out, God delivered a plan, faith came, but then Joshua obeyed it. So I wanted to if I could just for a moment, I kind of enjoyed mathematics when I was in high school. Kind of when then I went into the financial industry, I like formulas. Anyone else like formulas? I wanted to give us a formula. It's been a while since I dropped a formula. But here's one I think is a really good one. Faith Plus obedience equals victory. This is a pattern we see. If you're looking for spiritual victory in your life, this is the pattern that God gives Joshua and is giving us today. Faith, God speaking, the plan coming, the word from God being received, then takes a little bit of obedience, good old fashioned sticking to God's plan, will bring out victory in our lives. I feel like this is so simple, but man, we could preach this every Sunday. Faith with a little bit of obedience, those two beautiful elements combined. Man, what victories could you experience in your life with that combination? This is a pattern for victory. This is a formula for promise. You know, I, just, I feel like someone needs to hear this today. You know, God doesn't want you to lose any battles. Somehow in our lives, I think it's a human side of us, is we just think that, man, if I can just get two out of ten, I'm doing good. No, that's not the way God worked. And we're going to see this in the rest of the book of Joshua, but God doesn't want us to lose anything. God doesn't want us to lose any battles. God wants you to win every time. You never come second. you put God first. You'll never come second when you put God first. When you receive the Word, there's people in here today and you're missing one of those two components right now. Some of you in here today and you're just like, man, I I feel like I've got the Word. I feel like I've got the plan. I feel like God's showing up and told me what it is. But your struggle right now is obedience. And you've got to be honest with yourself and the Holy Spirit and say, I need to obey the plan that God has given me to see the victory. There are other people in here today and it's like, man... I'm willing to, I'll do whatever it takes, but you just need to wait on the Lord. You just need to wait for the Word. Some of you in here today, and you're like, I don't know where to get the Word from. Can I just encourage you? It's right in front of you. The Word is right in front of you. The message from God is right in front of you. This is a beauty about how good our God is. He gives us His Word. He gives us His plan. It's right here. Some of you in here today, and you're like, man, I want to I go into this relationship. I believe the promise is for me to be married. Can I just encourage you? Here's the plan. Do it God's way. Obey the plan. Stick with it. Because what do we know? What do we see is victory comes in Jesus' name. Faith is a combo deal. Faith is agreeing with God and obeying His winning plan. You know, obedience is one of those things that I feel like is just getting missed right now in the church. We just need to talk about obedience a little more. We need to understand the power of Submitting to God and what He wants, and the, the victory that comes through that. You know, as a, as a father of three, I love being a dad. One of my biggest challenges, I would say one of our biggest challenges, Jill and I's parents, is obedience. And it's not because I want them to just do what I want them to do, which definitely helps from time to time. It's because I don't want my kids to grow up not understanding what it looks like to obey. Because if they're believers and they hear from the Lord, I want them to know what it means to obey Him. Because faith is a combo deal. You can walk around with all the faith in the world. But if you don't obey His plan, you're not going to see the victory that God's got for you. You're not going to see the goodness of God that He has for you. You're not going to see the miracles of God. Faith is a combo deal. What victory are you looking for that's missing faith? or obedience? Are you running ahead of the the God plan because He hasn't spoken to you yet? Maybe you're in here, you're looking for the answer. You're asking God for what it is. He hasn't told you yet. Can I just encourage you, don't run ahead into the city without the plan. Don't run ahead looking, for the, looking to take down the city when God hasn't shown up with the plan. Spend time with Him. Pray. Read your Bible. He'll give it to you. Or are you not obeying the plan that he's already given you and therefore not seeing the victory? So number one, when it came to Jericho, God is first. Number two, faith is a combo deal. The formula for promise looks like faith plus obedience and you'll see a victory. But number three, what do we ultimately learn about Jericho? And in the Jericho story is this, worship always comes before victory. Worship always comes before victory. What did they do? They carried the ark. What did they do? They followed the plan, which I believe obeying God and following His plan is a way that we worship Him. Because when you submit to the authority of God and go without certain things in His name because He's told you to, that is worship. You are worshiping with your life. Worship always comes before victory. Maybe you're in a season right now. You're like, God is saying, I can't have this thing. Don't disassociate those two things. They're combined. You are worshiping God with your very life. Worship always comes before victory. Here it is, verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, I love that. For six days, they're not hearing anything. But on the seventh day, could you imagine going out on the seventh day? Oh my gosh. Walking around, it's just like, Any moment now, we're going to hear that sound. You know, there's something powerful about the sound of worship. You ever notice the difference between secular music and worship music? You know what the difference is? It's anointed. The Holy Spirit is in it. It's a sound of worship. And I really believe that we're living in a time where we just need to be worshipping like never before. It says the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before Him. This is what happened in God's perfect timing, according to His perfect plan. They obeyed the word of the Lord. They they walked and they walked around the city until the time was right. You know, God is always on time. He's never late. He shows up in exactly the right moment. Listen to me, friend. The walls for your victory will fall at exactly the right time. And it says that they walked up into the city and they took the city and devoted it to the Lord for destruction. Team, you can come back up. What is your victory? That's requiring faith. That's requiring obedience. That ultimately because of your decision to worship God is gonna look like victory. You know, I just thought I'd end it this way, but Jericho is fascinating to study because... You could be like, oh man, is that just like a cool story? You know, it's a good story, right? But it actually happened. When we read our Bibles, we're reading truth. We're reading a true story. And there have been excavations that have happened over the last couple of hundred years and two or three very significant ones. But this is what's happened is literally as they've been digging up Jericho, people are being blown away by how true and how accurate Joshua is. Let me show you this picture. This is one of the most famous um, sketches from one of the people that led a great excavation in Jericho, but it shows the actual side view of the walls. This is how God did it. So the black is the the main retaining wall at the front. This is the second one. On this side in between is Phil. So there's basically in the city, there's two walls. the inner wall and the outer wall. And Rahab's house was built into the outer wall in a part of town that was not a great part of town. But I love this particular picture. Why? Because they put the mud brick that fell down the wall, that fell down the person just, I don't think they're a believer. They just did it this way. But they put it in red. They put it in red. But what it shows is how God did it. When the sound happened and they shouted in worship, the wall fell down. Translations say it fell beneath itself, and what what happened was it came down and created an absolutely perfect ramp for people to go up. Listen to me, friend worship creates a ramp, worship creates a pathway. When you worship, when you lift your arms, when you sing to God, it creates a pathway for you to go into His presence, for you to inherit the, the promises, to go into everything that God has for you. Worship is so powerful. Because it's, it's so great in our warfare. Would you stand with me? But here's what we're going to do. We're, we're just going to worship. But I believe what we see, this pattern we see in Joshua, this understanding we get from Scripture, that we can look at what's coming with so much more confidence because we have Jesus. I love that the mud brick was in red because in a sense, what we stand on is red. We stand on the blood of Jesus. Jesus. What are you looking for? What are you believing for? Because the answer is Jesus. The answer is standing on the foundation that is Jesus. So I just want us to do one thing, okay? We worship in our church with our hands raised, okay? If you haven't done it yet, it's all right, you will. But there's a reason that you, you, you raise your hands because one reason is in the Bible, God talks about how He loves our hands Raised. At him, but the other thing is, when we worship with our hands raised in a posture of warfare, it's the ultimate sign of surrender. Your hands are up; you, you, you're exposed. But that's the point: is God fights for us, so we just worship. So I just want to encourage you, what, what do you what, what's, what's your victory? What's, what's the thing you're looking for? What's the success you're after? What do you believe in God for? Maybe it's a, a, a child to come back into God, back in your family. Maybe it's financial success. Maybe it's, you know, just stepping into something greater in your life, believing for more. Can I just encourage you, worship always comes before victory. Yeah, amen. So why don't we just raise our hands and believe right now. Come on, all of us. Let's just lift our hands. Give God what He likes, which is worship. God, we just love You so much. Father, we just thank You that You bring down walls in our lives, but whether we're in front of the walls or we're behind the walls, God, we just thank You, Lord, that we're lifting our hands in worship to You. Father, we are believing that with a shout of praise, walls come down, strongholds break, Lord. Freedom comes, grace is renewed in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing right now. Let's worship together.